everybody welcome to the 102nd edition of the holy backboard podcast i am dustin here in rainy rip city and i got my man sage chilling in southern oregon um your boy's tired your boy is seriously seriously tired how are you tired at 807 on mlk day i know you didn't have to work today actually i did i worked more today than i have in years so um (laughs) I have been trying to get a, I've been trying to develop podcasts and we actually had some timely stuff I wanted the people to hear. And that made me be like, all right, we got like 12 in the archives that can go out whenever this stuff matters today. So I'm going to edit, produce and publish these two timely pieces of content. So it was a three hour podcast and then a one hour podcast and for all you podcast editing nerds, double the amount of time it takes to edit for the time that it takes to record. So I've I've been in the lab editing out all types of shit. So your boy's tired. Okay, so so you've been grinding. I'll, I'll give you uh, some kudos for that. But you got to bring the energy because Absolutely. we have Absolutely. an amazing guest on our show this evening. Uh, Rip City, give a big welcome to uh, Neela Madison. Uh, you may know her formerly as Yusuf Nurkic's girlfriend, but now she's running the shit in Rip City. She's Trailblazer GM Neela Olshay. Neela, welcome to the show. <laughs> you guys, you cannot hype me up like that. I feel so uncomfortable right now, but happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. You know, it's been, uh, I feel like a long time coming. You've always been on our short list of guests to have. You know, you're one of my favorite uh, Blazer Twitter follows, always keeping the mood light, especially when your team is consistently inconsistent. And <laughs> it just makes for a fun season, despite knowing your team ain't going nowhere. I mean, you and I are the children of the team mom, the Asian children of the team mom. I love, I mean. The two Asian uh, brother and sister. I, yeah. Exactly. Um, Tara guys, didn't know I, she had Asian children, so here it is. And that was her fault for adopting the team, you know? Like, come on. You got to expect children coming out of the woodwork for the rest of your life. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out team mom. Yes, um, shout out indeed. So, so Neela, uh, give our listeners a little bit of background about yourself. Uh, how did you become a Blazers fan? Uh, what is one of your favorite memories? And, of course, everyone wants to know, what is it like being a diehard Blazer fan in the heart of Warrior Country? All right, you guys. Um, these are questions I get all the time from, you know, Dub Nation themselves. So I'm very well-versed in answering these Um, So I became a Blazer fan as a child because I, my family and I immigrated to uh, Portland, Oregon when I was three months old in uh, 1993. So um, of course, if you you are not a Portlander, if you don't love the Trailblazers, you know, like those two things go hand in hand. There's no one or the other. Like you have to just integrate into the culture because it's so prominent. The, you know, the games are always on in the background I didn't actually get to go into my first game at the Rose Garden until later on in life, but um, I still think about that feeling every time I return um, to this day. So 
so that's how I became a fan. And what, what um, was your first game? If you remember, I don't remember. I don't remember who we were playing, but I was, I was like 12. Okay. And so I got my, my that? first, I got my first Jersey it was the Rashid Wallace one that I still wear to this day. Cause I haven't grown much, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was my first Jersey. I forget the game. I need to ask if I don't even know everybody else's, obviously their memories are probably going to be worse than mine, but I'll try and find out and let you know. So that's how I became a fan. Uh, it wasn't augmented, though. My fandom wasn't augmented until I actually moved to the Bay Area and had a team to dislike. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and so, yeah, I actually really thank Dub Nation, honestly. Um, I never thought I'd say this, but truly, I thank Dub Nation for fueling the fire of my Blazers love because, you know, your girl wasn't really a Blazer maniac until I started getting heated about... <laughs> hating the best team on the planet <laughs> <laughs> that is a great way to get started um <laughs> how so you kind of you said you were 12 when you went to your first game did you feel and this might bring up a couple of old wounds for our fans listening did you feel the heartache when we lost in game seven uh, of that the 2000 conference finals um the feeling hmm, how do i describe it it was heart wrenching, but because I was still pretty young, yeah, it didn't sting until like to like you know to this to this day. If I were to look up the the YouTube videos and rewatch them now, I definitely feel like my heart sinks for my twelve year old self. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, or at the time, whatever. Um, now more so than it was before. So you know what I'm saying? Like when we're younger, it's we're still so naive and we're not like quite affected or jaded by <laughs> the events that occur around us. So, so yeah, more so looking back now. Yeah. I remember growing up, we took a couple L's. It was probably like 91. I was maybe like six or seven. Like God, I was just born then. Just you just... guys are, are, are young as shit. So let me have my, you know, <laughs> is, is this my... old guy talk? This is old guy talk. Uh, let him have his old man speak. Go on, I, Dustin. I remember for whatever reason, Hakeem gave us the business in like 91 or 92. And I remember like, I went, I, I was like crying to my mom. I was like, why didn't the Blazers win? I mean, obviously, you know, I, I needed to man up and realize that a lot of losses were in my future following this franchise. But man, I also remember despising the Lakers. Um, I always like to tell this story when I was six, we played the Lakers in the conference finals in 91. It was game one. We had the best record in the league. We had won like 16 in a row heading into the, the playoffs. And my half sister came down and I was like, okay, we got to go see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 in the theaters. I was so hyped. And I came back home and I was like, mom, did the Blazers win? No, they lost. And then we lost that series in heartbreaking fashion. And that's what started my hatred for the Lakers. Um, Dustin. I don't know if it will ever be replaced, but I am close to that point with, with the Warriors just because they rub me the wrong way. And I know you live uh, in the Bay Area. Are, are do the same things that bug me bug you about them in terms of kind of the cockiness, the feeling like they, they had to acquire Kevin Durant to win another championship when, you know, they were just one win away. Literally, Dub Nation, I, no, I totally am on the same page with you. It's like, um, you know, over the over the offseason, I was able to cover the championship parade with the Relish. And 
uh, we did this produced video where it was like kiss trade sign. Like who, who else would you want to bring to Dubnation next year to win the next championship? And overwhelmingly these snakes wanted Kyrie Irving on their team next year. (laughs) I was shook, but obviously had to keep my cool in front of the camera. (laughs) Behind the scenes, I was just like, God damn. What more do you want from us? <laughs> you know, I would be able to die a happy man if the Blazers win just just one. Like I just want just one, and, and they're already talking about three, four, five. I, I don't think Warrior fans, maybe the diehards, probably do realize how amazing they have it right now because it's never going to be this good ever again. No, the pendulum is definitely on its way to swing within the next five years or so, and hopefully. And, um, (laughs) damn, I I think I just jinxed it, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know if they appreciate it. Honestly, even the, we believe era folk, um, I don't know, maybe somebody can, can, can tell me and I can scout the streets, but (laughs) it seems like there is an appreciation for what, how good they have it. Did I ever tell, go ahead, Sage. Did I ever tell the podcast my first Blazers game? I don't. They, I don't. I do not I just remember. Your... I just remembered it. So uh, when I was a younger boy, I loved Allen Iverson. So I think my my mom bought tickets to the Blazers Philadelphia like maybe two thousand era game, but I don't remember anything about the game. I just remember that I had a sudden case of IBS in the Portland bathroom. In the tra- tra- in the rose garden, I just remember that. I remember her being so upset that I was sick at that game. <laughs> you gotta be kidding! Me. I felt weird saying it with Nila on the phone, but I was like, "Wait, did was I? I was sick the entire game in that bathroom." <sighs> that is an amazing memory to have and associate with this well, team, especially at the state they are now. <laughs> It's very poetic in a way. <laughs> yeah, my my poor Asian stomach couldn't couldn't handle whatever I ate, and I, I was in the bathroom for the entire game. Uh, Asian yeah. a- Asian problems. Man, you had that, and then you took a date, and you saw Dame hit a game winner over your boy Ryan Anderson. It's it's pretty amazing uh, that Rip City's been able to sway you to stay to be a fan after all of these harsh memories, Sage. <laughs> I, I just keep remem- keep remembering these bad moments of my life that have happened while I've uh, watched this team play, but I'm I'm still here week after week. You see how resilient Blazer fans have to be. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I do. I feel like I, I wear it almost as a badge of honor. It's like, you can never tell me I am a bandwagon fan if I say my favorite sports team is the Portland Trailblazers. Like, you just, you can't say anything to me at that point. Yes. Amen. I'm with you there, Dustin, especially in Dub Nation. What has been your f- most memorable Trailblazers moment? Dustin? My, ooh, no, you go ahead, Neela. Um, I think I was just recently asked this on Twitter, um, and I I said, hands down, the .9 shot. Mm, Yeah. I remember every feeling, everything, like what I was eating, who I was with, where I was. Uh, It was one of the first years I lived here in San Francisco, and it was just so unbelievable that 
um, I totally get the people that were able to watch the point eight shot, you know, just a few years before, um, felt. So, so yeah, that, that's that definitely it for me. What about you, Dustin? It's tough because the team that got me into basketball was the Clyde era Blazers and they had so many memorable moments and I've just been starting to go back and watch all of those games on YouTube and I've had all of the videos growing up. But when you're six, seven, five, six and seven, like you don't have you don't really fully encompass the. I guess the the entire situation, like you don't really realize what's going on and, you know, yeah, there's a naivete. Yeah, if if you lose, you know, shit, there's some toys you can go play with or you know your mom going to get you ice cream, like everything's going to be fine. Um <laughs> Not me. I would, <laughs> Yeah, I would say there's a, there's a couple um game 6 when we beat the Lakers like going down like we fought back 3-1 um one game five one like blew them out in game six so you know super stoked to go into game seven we knew we would thrash the pacers in the finals so that was exciting obviously it's a little bit tainted because of what followed but it's tough recently to pass on point nine because i think it is the greatest shot in franchise history uh i had the opportunity to work that game from the press row we were up in uh, section 200 i was working posting for at trailblazers at the time and I had Dane Carbaugh to my left. Sarah Hecht was on my right. And as soon as Chandler Parsons hit that shot, you could just feel the collective like breath of Rip City. Just It was just gone. Like It was almost just like a murder had been committed and nobody knew how to react. We were all just like frozen in time. And, you know, I'm already like getting my post game tweet ready to go. Blazers lost. You know, we're going to win game seven, all that bullshit. You know, you don't believe it. We knew we were all going to lose game seven in Houston. And then all of a sudden, like, you see Dame, he just kind of, it just happened so quick because he fakes one way, then darts around, and you see him start clapping his hands. And as soon as he got that ball off, it was the same uh, almost feeling I got when I watched Brandon Roy hit the same shot mm-hmm. against the Rockets with 0.8 seconds. When it left, you know, you're not supposed to cheer and press row, but I started, I, I rose <laughs> as the ball went up, and internally, I'm like, this has a chance to go in. This looks good. And obviously it, it happens in less than a second, but I swear time was going so slow at that point. And as soon as it went in, like, like I said, you're not supposed to cheer and press row, but I was hugging Dane and Sarah. We were yelling and, you know, quickly, you know, you, you send your tweet and you get back to go, you get back ready to go. But, you know, I've watched videos. I've watched uh, the Blazers put together a video on the court afterwards, seeing the fans' reaction, the players' reaction, realizing they had just advanced to the the second round for the first time, you know, in 14 years. And, like, I still get, like, chills. Like, you get a little choked up, especially when you hear Mike Tirico's call. Um, that, like, I'm almost getting chills reliving that memory. So I think it is yeah. absolutely one of the greatest moments in, in the franchise and easily a top three uh for me it's going to be be tough to beat and you know i really want to see the team get back to that that level of play but but neela with the way the roster's currently you know constructed you're now you know neela olshay the our trailblazer gm <laughs> what, what do you do i mean is there anything portland can do we've talked about how good the the warriors are and really their window still seems to be quite open um what do you do if you're if you're neil if I were Neil, I don't know how I would sleep, how I sleep at night with Rip City on my back in such a way that it's like every year has to be a rebuilding year for the next five years or something. Because it's like, what 
can you do to even break through to the top four seed, let, let alone the top, you know, seed in either conference? It's like, we just have to wait it out. And I know that maybe in our lifetime, it's going to happen for us again. <laughs> but, um, but do we want to talk about the, the whole, um, what, because we got a, a question from Rip City about what it takes to become a championship team. Yeah. Well, let's, let's answer that question. It was from, uh, at blazer GC trailblazer Swan, fan, wants to know exactly how many pieces away from being a championship team are we? And what do you think those pieces are players, coaches, GM, et cetera. I mean, okay. blazer JC, do you have like three hours? Because that's, <laughs> I mean, we, could, we could do a midnight session just going open. I mean, we could get a whiteboard. We could do Matt Damon and, you know, goodwill hunting and get all these fucking equations going because that's, that's what it's going to take it. A minor miracle, a major miracle, but, but yeah. Mila, if we were to um, break it down into a, a five-minute answer for uh, Blazer GC, what would it be? So obviously, when it comes to the players, I think we can all agree that the roster at its current state isn't helpful to Damon CJ uh, to the point where it needs to be. And that's not their fault, obviously. That's not the coach's fault. That's the GM, and that's the front office. And you know, when it comes to the debate of like, oh, in stocks we trust or – Neil's got to go. I I definitely in I'm in the camp where it's like I don't think we could get a better head coach, but we could definitely find a better GM out there. What do you think? Is that a hot take? Did you I see my face, Doug? Did you? See <laughs> no, I, I I can't see your face. I absolutely love the instats we trust versus Neil's got to go because oh my god, I feel like you can't be in the middle like. I, no. I'm in the middle a little bit, but I feel like everyone's like, no, you got to be here. You got to be here. It's like Blazers Twitter, Blazers fandom has these internal battles. I mean, shit, I, I see the fandom battles between each fan group, let alone GM versus coach. Like, we're no longer taking player sides. We're taking, like, upper management, like, <laughs> stances. We're drawing that line right in the fucking sand, and we're, we're dying on that hill. And it kind of cracks me up. But uh, I think I would argue – that, or excuse me, I would be on the side that if you say Stotts is the problem, I'd say you're probably right. If you say Neil's the problem, I'd say you're also right. It's one of those rare cases when it's it's just one big clusterfuck in Rip City. Um, and I think Stotts is a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. Um, I would say the same thing for Neil Olshay. He's more times than not done a good job drafting players. He's got that quote unquote golden gut. And I think you have to give him credit there. You can severely criticize his signings and his targets in the free agent market. Um, he's proven to be, a, I would say, a decent to good GM. I mean, we same thing with Terry Stotts. Um, like I mentioned during that Dame shot, we had gone 14 years without making the second round of the playoffs. It was the longest active streak in the league at that point in time. And now we've made the second round twice since 2014. So putting things into perspective there... That's not so bad. I think what what a lot of frustration comes from is that year LaMarcus left, the 2015-2016 season was supposed to be a complete rebuild. Mm -hmm. The team completely exceeds their expectations. And you go into a salary cap year where due to the, the television contract, the cap booms. And you have all these restricted free agents. Everyone's young. Everyone played well. 
It just mm-hmm. seems like the basketball gods really wanted to stick it to us. And it was just a perfect storm of, of shit. Um, I think you're right. The Blazers are probably going to have to, to wait it out. If they are, I think the big, the first step in anything is Paul Allen needs to get this team and the upper management in a direction. It feels like there is no direction with this team, whether they want to rebuild or whether they want to win now. Um, we've discussed it on the show before. The drafting of Zach Collins was extremely, you know, befuddling because he's a 19-year-old prospect who long-term could be super great. But right now mm-hmm. you've got Dame, CJ, Aminu, all of those guys almost in their prime or in their prime ready to win now. And you've got players who could have, um, in the draft, immediately impacted the team and still had some potential. So I think they need to pick a direction. And depending on that, don't make any decisions that are going to severely hamper long-term. Because like you said, the Warriors, and they're, they're still going to be good in three, four, five years. Like, let's mm-hmm. not give away first-round picks to get rid of contracts. We're just going to have to wait it out. Sage, you always talk about sunk costs. Sometimes you just have to live with it. I, I think – we could use a better GM, we could use a better coach, but winning a championship is about a lot of luck as well. Like, the injuries have to... It, everything has to work out perfectly in order for us to win. So, we gotta have the right coach, we gotta have the right GM, have the right players surrounding our two stars, and then just be healthy and hope that continuity and, you know, trusting the scheme... Yeah, it seems like, uh, according to what you were just saying, Dustin, um, and you too, Sage, that we've been middle of the pack for a while, and it seems like we are rightfully there, but because of our own minds and our own expectations and our own passions, we are continually disappointed, despite the fact that everything is very middle of the pack when it comes to the players, the coaches, the GM, everything, right? That's that's a a great a great take. And I think it all has to do with, with expectations. Um, one of my favorite years of watching the team was that year after LaMarcus left. I mean, listeners of the show know I was no LaMarcus fan. I did not like his game and I thought we would lose more, but we would be a, a, a more entertaining team to watch because we wouldn't just dump it into him and watch him take a contested fadeaway. Uh, I went into that season really excited. You know, maybe we'd get a high draft pick like Dame's going to you know ball out. He showed a shit ton of loyalty for us and you know i was excited to see what cj could do um no one could have ever expected them making the second round but i went into that season with very low expectations and i think the um, when you have a team like the blazers and you have high expectations like oh we're going to make the conference finals or we're going to win you know 55 plus games you're you're just not going to have a you're not going to have a good time so I would also, you know, kind of contradict that and say, I do think we should be performing better than where we are right now. So it's just kind of that weird um, conundrum between we should be better, but we shouldn't get our expectations up super high either. So it's just it just made it kind of a frustrating experience because I was so excited after we knocked off um, the Thunder to start off the road trip without Damian, you know, 117 to 106. The score really wasn't as um, close as it was indicated. And then we fall flat three straight games, giving up 121 to Houston, 119 to New Orleans, and then 120 to Minnesota, all all with Dame. And so now you're you're on that roller coaster. Now you're not super really jazzed a- about the team as much. So it's just been a weird year where we'll win three and then we'll lose three. Don't even get me started. 
<laughs> okay. Just speaking, you know, like on that same, along that same vein, it seems like we're not a road team and then we're also not a home team. Are we even a team? I don't. Are I don't, we even are, a team, period? <laughs> are we a fictional team? Or are we getting replaced by Blazers 5 Gaming? Like, is the E team going to, like, <laughs> replace the real team? What is going on? We win three games, we lose three games. We're on the road, we're off, we're home. Like, what do you, how do we even keep up with the inconsistency in this stacked conference, especially? It just sounds like it, we're a mediocre team. It's it's crazy too because we're twenty two and twenty one, five hundred at home, twelve and eleven on the road. We are only one game in the lost column back of OKC at fifth, but we're also tied in the lost column for for ninth and completely out of the playoffs with with the Clippers. You know, I think we've been fortunate that a few teams have had injuries. You know, uh, the Clippers have lost both their point guards. Gallinari's out. Blake's been in and out of the lineup. Gobert's been hurt for for Utah. They also lost Gordon Hayward in in the offseason. Anthony Davis has missed some time. The Thunder have not clicked. So it's... It's just been a weird year. I expected a much more complete Western Conference. And to be to be honest, you know, we're a little bit lucky we are in the spot we are. And so all things considered, if we could end up, you know, fifth or sixth, you might say that's a pretty good season. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point in time, Neela, what would you consider a successful season? Like you're looking back in July, August, you know, maybe drinking your your, your you know, your beverage of choice in a nice San Francisco sunset and you're looking back on the year and you're like, damn, that was a good year. What would make it a good year for you? Um, first of all, if Nurk were 50 pounds heavier, (laughs) I think that the entire rest of the season would turn around for us, especially after the all-star break, which is technically when the trailblazer season really starts anyway. True. So I think that's what mo- what would co- constitute a successful season for me. So what about let, you guys? Let, real quick, let's let's go into this. It was what we wanted to talk about. So we've got fat Nurk versus, versus skinny Nurk, and you know I'm sorry for not being PC. We could say thick <laughs> Nurk versus thin Nurk, however you want to phrase it. <laughs> he is he has trimmed down probably for for the betterment of his health, but. <laughs> He has not looked dominant defensively. He's been he's been fantastic. The team defense, for the most part, aside from the last three games when he's on the floor, is unbelievable. We're actually a solid defensive team this year. But I don't know if he's still getting accustomed to playing at the lighter weight. But it feels like he kind of turns to the basket when he gets the ball and just flings it up there. He kind of like hopes and prays that it goes in. There is no touch to his game. I mean, he was never really a finesse big last year when he had on the extra pounds but have have both of you noticed that he just kind of looks awkward on offense this entire season he, it's weird because he has good footwork it's just as he gets to the spot where he has to shoot it it looks like he just flings it like at the basket with no touch but like the, the footwork handwork <laughs> that is the issue <laughs> so so i think that was the goal of the trimming down of uh, from fat to skinny Nurk, um, quote unquote. I, those are not my words, but the <laughs> finesse, <laughs> the finesse is clearly not working. There's no finesse. The the flopping is annoying. God Stop damn right. God Preach. damn right. 
That is so annoying. And getting hit in the face consistently, that's the, that will get it. Nurk getting hit in the face is the only consistent thing about this season so far. <laughs> I think he makes up like 10% of all NBA flagrant fouls. Yeah. Like, I do, I feel bad for the guy. Like, he gets the shit kicked out of him. So when he does, you know, actually flop back and it's not a flop, he, he's not getting that whistle because he flops when he really gets touched. Because he's a think- terrible, terrible actor. God. So you're no longer Yusuf Nurkic's girlfriend on Twitter in the bio. Are you guys, you know, separated? Is it over? Is there any hopes of, you know, making it work again? (laughs) You know what? I think if Rip City Twitter virtually skinny shamed Nurk to pack back the pounds on, then maybe we could talk and Nurk fever would return to Rip City and to, to, to Nip City? Neela? Never mind. No, no, Um, it's staying in here. That. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> do you fuck with nip city <laughs> absolutely I, I mean i'm uh, always team curvy boy when there's an option so <laughs> i i enjoy watching the bigger nerk because i mean like you know i'm i'm a curvy boy as well so i gotta support but you know i i think they wanted nerk to be skinny so he could play those big minutes but if you look at like his game log he's in the 25 to 28 minutes per game sometimes it's more when he has like the most obvious matchup or it's motivated nurk which is always cool to see getting in the best shape of your life was supposed to be so he can play those big minutes against the nets when they go small but maybe he's just a 25 minute guy maybe now with um with nurk go ahead go ahead go ahead just i think if we as a community of holy backboard supporters would make a pact to virtually skinny shame Nurk on the internet. <laughs> Maybe he will pack the pounds back on and then he can go ahead and just go back to focusing on boards and rim protection. I think that, I mean, the finesse is clearly not working, so we need to revert. Revert to fat Nurk. A hashtag. <laughs> so do you, you are just so rest- legendary with this, with this shit. <laughs> He's a restricted free agent this year. What? So you're a GM. What are you doing? Are you matching any offer? Do you have a limit? Are you trading him before the deadline? What are you looking for at at this point in time, January fifteenth of twenty eighteen? Oh, this is this is where I knew this question was going to come. You know, I was mentally preparing myself earlier. I was taking a lot of deep breaths, woo sawing left and right. Um, see, that's a question. That's another question that is interesting is, do we start Collins at this point in the season at the midway point in order to, to, to light a flame under Nurk's booty, Nurk's skinny booty? How do you think he would deal with that? He did not like it when he was, you know, a bench boy in Denver. Do you think he will become a petulant bitch or do you think he'll light a flame under his ass and make him play harder? See, that's where that he is such an interesting, multifaceted character of a player because, on the one hand, he, in a way, seems to be mentally weak because he requires Dame's consistent coaching mm-hmm. mentally in order for any physicality to occur on the court, right? So, you know, in at the beginning of the season, I think we we all recall. Um, Nurk struggling a lot because it's all, you know, it's in his mind, it's in his mind. And that's what we kept hearing uh, regarding the reports. But on the other hand, Nurk gets very um, 
lit up when he becomes angry on the court, right? So then yep. there's like both sides, I feel like, to this interesting, wonderful, magical human being <laughs> that um, that I, I wonder what starting Collins would do to him. It might, it might work. So I think we should try it. Well, did you see Zach Collins try and post up Jameer Nelson in the Pelicans game? <laughs> that shit was absolutely hilarious. I know, I know Jameer is a thick boy, but dude, <laughs> Zach Collins is seven feet. He should probably post up a guy who's like six one, maybe. Is that his height? Man, that's that's rough. Well, I mean, Jameer's probably Jameer's thick, but <laughs> thick boys, th- thick and curvy boys. <laughs> hey. Um, he so is that, so Jameer is six question. feet according to Wikipedia. Um, yeah, Z Easy as we call him is uh, is also a skinny boy, so so it's it's rough there. There's a fine line that you should be walking. Um, but anyways, that's the first question I have, and then the second question, going back to yours, Dustin, is ultimately, yeah, what do we do? Do we match offers because we did invest in Nurk and he did show up for us when we needed him last year? And then suddenly it just didn't pan out. Um, is he like a Mo Harkless where he like start, he begins a new place really well and he starts to find his, his way again, but then he eventually fizz, fizzles out or what's the deal with this guy? Is he, is he just like an employee that shows up like the first couple weeks of the job? Just like, man, I am going to fucking kill it. I'm going to be the first to every meeting. You know, I'll take those notes. Oh, you need me to get that coffee for you. Um, just really goes above and beyond. And then once he gets you know, past that probation period where he's like, Ooh, I can start expensing shit. I get my cell phone paid. Like I'm living the good life here. I can just sit back and do the bare minimum. Like, is is that what we're seeing here? Yeah. It's not a new year's resolution (laughs) for these guys. It's a new, new team resolution that they, they try to uphold, I think, which is great. I, I mean, I hope, I hope the listeners don't think that I am docking them for that, but we just got to figure this out and like move on the right way for the, for the sake of our team, you know? So you said move on, and that is a key phrase because I was preparing for the show and I had had the TV on, and uh, uh, Dwight James was actually interviewing Damon Stoudemire. And anytime a former Blazer, especially from that era, gets gets interviewed, I'm mm-hmm. going to tune in and listen to it. And Dwight flat out asked Damon, you know, what would you do with this team? Like I always saw you as a front office personnel guy, and I want to get your take on it. And he said they need to make some tough decisions. They need to decide who to keep and who to move on from. And I, I think that was just spot on. You're going to have some hurt feelings. You're you're going to, in Neil's position, probably lose a few guys that were quote unquote your guys that you either drafted mm-hmm. or, or brought in. But, you know, if there was a holy backboard drinking game, you'd probably be yes. getting ready to take a shot right now because there are too many high variance players, both in terms of skill and I think in terms of the mental aspect of the game, um, I think the mental aspect of the game is supremely undervalued and is why teams like the Spurs are so good year in and year out because they don't look at games against the Brooklyn Nets and say, oh, we're just going to beat them. They're, they're mentally ready to go. And we have a few guys on that team, Damian Lillard, Ed Davis. I mean, those guys, um, Shabazz Napier, they're they're ready to go every single game. You can see them busting their ass, and they're super smart, and they don't take it for granted. I think we have a couple players on this team that probably take it for granted a bit, and it shows up in their box scores every night mm-hmm. because it's going to be a different number. Um, and 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 some of it is on Terry. 
Um, there aren't consistent minutes for a guy like Mo Harkless. He has proven that he can come in and play, but he did have 21 games to start the season to prove himself and he didn't do it. So we can't blame everything on Terry. I think that's really um, outrageous. I think we get so caught up in Neil versus Terry that why don't we start blaming the players a little bit more? I mean, these are the guys making millions of dollars to, you know, play the game of basketball and, it's one thing if you're just a shitty player, but you're busting your ass. Mm-hmm. I, I think, especially in that Minnesota game, I saw the team kind of quit. Um, not everyone did, but just the passes they made were very lazy. They were kind of lethargic going throughout the they were going throughout the motions after that second quarter. And um, those are the type of things you don't want to see as a fan. You can take a loss. I mean, that's fine if you lose the game. Like if you play super hard, like we played really hard in Houston. We just had no answer for their pick and roll. Um, that's something maybe you can question the coach on, but for the players, they, they, they played it really well, um, offensively that night, but there are other nights. And I think we've seen them a little bit too many this year where you're kind of left scratching your head being like, what do we really have here? Um, as a collection of talent, Doug, I, you could quiz me about that Minnesota game. I will tell you no facts about that shit. Why why has Minnesota got you? Oh, (laughs) I was going to bring something up, but I didn't in respect of our, of our longstanding friendship. But since you've already brought it up, you, you mentioned luck and winning a championship. If the Vikings somehow oh, win the Super God. Bowl, that, that's luck. I mean, there, there's nothing you can tell me about that play that wasn't luck. And that's what it takes sometimes. You're, you're right. Sports are a bitch. Mm-hmm. All right. So can I tell you about my shit? Was that a Sunday? It was a Sunday. So I was doing a football podcast. I don't I haven't really watched football like I should have to be on this podcast, but I was on it. I did the I was doing the production work, like looking up like who number fifty five for the Eagles is. It's Brandon Graham. Um <laughs> Okay. Thank you. And <laughs> thank you for that. We were doing it during the Saints game. So, you know, there was like a half of absolute shit. And then the Saints started making plays and started making plays. And then they're up by one point. And with 25 seconds left, and I think this the, Williams just wanted to force them inbounds to run out the clock and just fucking whiffed it. I I I was so devastated, and I had to pretend like I wasn't because I was on air on this fucking show. Ugh. Wait, wait, wait! Hold, hold up, back up the truck. Your Saints in the divisional championship, and you were working. How do you not Doug, sit I, new year, new me. I'm going to try and work. And uh, I, I don't know, Anila. I think he might need to get his fan card re- revoked from the Saints on that one. Like, if the Blazers are in the playoffs, you, I'm there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I watched every second. I watched every second of it. I was just happened to be talking at the same time. I mean, this hey, show- he said he's the man said it himself. New year, new him. So yeah, I support hey, it. Yeah. So. <laughs> Fuck Minnesota. I like I knew that I was gonna have to watch this this Blazers Minnesota game. <laughs> I don't remember one single thing about it. I was just you in just the blacked out. I was just sad pandaing it. It was <laughs> So if you oh, told yeah. me they gave up, they gave up. I don't remember at all. <laughs> Today this has been a rough sports week for your boy. It's been a rough sports life for me. So <laughs> hey. You every says every Blazers fan. Every Blazers fan ever. At Mila. least your team didn't blow the game on a last second dumbass play. 
on our last episode, we kind of discussed who we wanted to see in the playoffs with it being the halfway mark. If you could choose any of the top four seeds, you're looking at, uh, I think it's Golden State, Houston, now Minnesota, or San Antonio, who would you want to play in the first round? Oh, San Antonio, right? I th- I think or Minnesota. So I think I think San Antonio, hands down, is my choice. I would love nothing more than to go up against Lamarcus Aldridge. In, in yeah, the first th- there's nothing more fun than than beating down a snake. <laughs> <laughs> who, who are the top three NBA snakes? Oh my God! I just tweeted this, and I caused a bunch of controversy. Which controversy, which is kind of my role on the internet, anyways. I'm <laughs> I'm a troll, but um. I recently had this conversation with my beta theta pi eta brothers and we said, well, we said top five, but they weren't in any particular order. Okay. Um, we said, let's see, Kevin Durant, obviously, obviously. Marcus Aldridge, obviously yes, those are the yes. two like most recent ones. And then the other ones were, um, uh, CP three, mm which uh, these mm. these become debatable now right cp3 um carmelo anthony and Ooh, then the yes. last one was dwight howard Ooh, but that was more interesting on dwight any more insight onto dwight yeah I, I wasn't refer everybody thought i was referring to the atlanta situation but i was referring more uh to further back in history the orlando to la lakers Ooh, situation because yes. he wanted yes. to get out of there that's know? very true so yeah, those are my top five snakes. I, Tweet me your top five snakes or let me know if you agree. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head with, with KD and LaMarcus. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chris Paul, his the way he acts. I, I know you love him, Sage, but he, he's, a, he's a snake. I can't stand watching that fucking guy play basketball. Um, Amen. It would take – I know for Sage, Eric Gordon's got to be up there. Eric Gordon's number one on my list. <laughs> Fuck him. I am angry today. I, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be angry. Yeah, you're grumpy. Come on, Sage. You're I'm talking talk- with two of your best internet buds. Come on. I don't know if I would consider Dustin an internet bud. No, we're we're IRL buds. We're IRL buds. Well, but you could also be internet buds. We can be. Mm-hmm. Yes. We can be. But I mean, like, I've slept on his couch like a dozen times. Yeah, like I've slept. I've, I I know this man, but my I cats should, know you. Yeah, like, yeah. You played with his cat. This man's cats. I cleaned up their <laughs> big ass shits. So <laughs> okay, that's love. That's love. If I know what's better than I love you, cleaning up your friend's cat, cat shit. Yeah, like this sage is ride or die. <laughs> man. That's why I, mean, I will always like, hate Eric Gordon. So, uh, yeah, Eric. I, I will hate Eric. If you tell me to hate Eric Gordon, I will hate Eric. That Gordon is for you. some real friendship Aww. shit. That is some real friendship shit. See, you're not only friendship, especially in your sports fans, is not only when you like the same team, but also because of your shared hatred of everybody else. Well, Dustin made me a Blazers fan. There's no other he, like. Yeah, he took me to. Yeah. Yeah, Dustin made me a Blazers fan for sure. Oh God, well, from the Pelicans to the Blazers. Well, it was 2011, right? No, yes. no, 2012, because it was Dame and JJ That's Hickson, true. right? So he I'm worked for the. Bla- the I'm just out here doing the Lord's work. He he yeah, worked he for the really Blazers at that time and got a lot of free tickets. And I happened to be the guy that he would take to games. So like. From game one, it was just like, eh, this team's cool and all, to like, 
game 30? I was just like, all right, I like this team. I live in Portland. I probably should fuck with this team. So yeah, Dustin, Dustin put me on the right track. I mean, like, I used to be on Blazers radio shows and just... Like, I would talk about the team, but it was just like, ah, fuck this team. I don't really care. But then Dustin actually got me on the right track of being a Blazers fan. So uh, thank thank you, Dustin, for uh, giving me another team that might disappoint me a lot. You know, if that's the one good thing I've done on this earth, I mean, I'll, <laughs> I'll be happy with my life. And it, it reciprocates because I was on the way home. Um, I think the Saints game was finishing up, but we were stopped behind a train. I knew this motherfucking train was going to take forever. Like, it was just stopped. So I pull out my ESPN app, and I, I'm following along. And I was like, oh, the Saints are coming back. Like, I'm rooting for the Saints just because of you. And I see they kick the field goal. And I text you. I was like, ooh, it's look, like, is it looking good? Like, what's going on? And then you text me back. I exit out of the app. It's like, oh, there's no way it's going to happen. And you're like, we we blew it. Now I was just like, I, my heart broke for you. <laughs> That sucked. That was a bad experience for me. But I, uh, yeah, you know, when you know a team like we know the Blazers, and you know that no lead is safe. Special- no, lead. no lead is safe. <laughs> so, like back of my mind, I was like, "There is a damn good chance that we blow this fucking coverage, and they get a touchdown right here. This play, this play is it. If we make a stop, we're winning this game." And then that play just, mm. man, it's triggering. Like I finally know what triggering <laughs> is. Like that, that, that hurts my so, soul. You say no lead is safe, and when the Blazers were in Oklahoma City, and we we got the lead to thirteen, and then they immediately cut it to four. And then we pushed it up to like twenty or twenty one. I'm sitting on the edge of the couch, just like almost nervously just like watching every basket like oh my god one bus one bucket from russet and it's all over which it, the, the floodgates are gonna the empty and it's gonna be noah's ark and epic proportions and somehow you know we ended up winning we ended up holding on obviously yeah, maintaining that's what, the, it. that's what the statistics were gonna say like of course they're gonna win the game but i have been triggered from so many terrible memories that no lead is safe thank yeah. you that's why i'm so negative on the internet you're not even you're not even negative compared to us. Like I want to if the Blazers win all three games that are sp- they're winnable, right? It's like the Suns uh Indiana and Dallas. Okay. Yeah. If they win all three games, I will have a positive podcast where I say nothing but nice things about this team. If they that win all like three. It's going to be impossible. <laughs> well, if they win all three. I mean- the the winning all three is plausible because you know we do the win three lose three lose sort of thing. Three, yeah. it's, it's our turn to win. Okay. <laughs> it's our turn to win now. But uh, your part, Sage, sounds like it's going to be impossible. <laughs> but I'm I, I love I'm I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> hey, real friends are real with each other, and that I, I guess. Possible, but I it. Oh man, maybe I need to change the way I uh, act on the internet and on podcasts. I'm sounding like a negative Nelly. I think I can no, do it. It's a, it's I, it's a no, negative Neela. Because... <laughs> I'm sorry. I will always change it to negative Neela now. I, my bad. <laughs> I, I no, definitely, it's... I should have been on my P's and Q's and said Neela, but I mean... I mean <laughs> all Blazers fans are resilient and there are amazing positive ones on the internet at this point in time. Tara, shout out to I her. I just don't I mean, no, seriously, shout out to all the positive Blazers fans and and other underdog, underperforming team fans because, yo, it is rough out here. 
I think you almost need the positives and the negatives. They kind of balance each other out. Like, I feel like it's almost like two magnets and there's like some gravitational pull. And I feel like we have that. We have a large contingency of fans who are super positive and optimistic. And then you've got kind of like me and Sage and, you know, you I feel like you're, you're more of a, as well. I think you're more positive than I. Yeah, but I've, I've, I've been I've been hurt over the years, Sage. <laughs> There have been dark times. There have been very dark. Well, there was t- a time didn't stage you talk when about we started Jin, like last box? Yes. <laughs> there were times when I was excited when Sebastian Telfair, um, shout out Bassy, my cat's name, uh, my namesake, did a behind the back pass to Ha Sun Jin in the 05 season when we won like 20 games to beat the Lakers in the Rose Garden. Like that was peak Blazers fandom because for one night, Laker fans were not excited and. It was our fucking Super Bowl. It was pathetic <laughs> as shit, but hey, it was ours. <laughs> Nila, did were you at all hyped when we drafted Hoslin Jin? Because as a, 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 I kind of was. That it's a guy it was, that he sort of looks like us, you know. I mean, like, you know, he's Asian. We're Asian. <laughs> like, I don't want to ever look like Hoslin Jin, but like, he's Asian. We're Asian. I kind of rode for that when they drafted him. <laughs> The ultimate NBA minority is Asian folk, man. God damn right. <laughs> There's literally like one person in the entire association that is Asian. It's insane right now. But is it? Yeah, no, I feel it. Is Jeremy? Is it just Jeremy? Jeremy Lin, Lin. and yeah. then like one. I think there's one other guy. Yeah, he's on Houston. So yeah, oh, there's two, yep. grand total of two. Mm-hmm. Well, what about Latin people? Well, they're not Asian. Well, no, no, no. <laughs> How many Latin players are? Yeah, I'm sure there's more Spanish players on. Oh shit, Ricky! I was thinking the Gasol brothers already got. Fuck! All right, I feel dumb. You feel feel good about that? I feel dumb. That's what I'm here for. (laughs) Love you you too. God damn. Yeah. Little nuggets of me, but yeah, it's rough for (laughs) people of color. But anyways, um, back to the point. Yeah, I think Uh, we're we're in 2005 right now. (laughs) <laughs> no, we're just talking about being jaded and finding the, the good moments uh, of the season. Um, in, right. in a season like this, where they're, they've, they've been tough to come by, but that, that Thunder game, so what I hate about this team, but also love about them, is just when, I, just when I'm ready to write them off, like I'm always going to watch the games, but just when I'm ready to just, you know, not really give a shit if they win or lose especially after that Atlanta performance uh, that broke my soul, they go out and they, they, they beat the thunder w- without Dame. And I am stoked Sage. Like I'm like ready. I'm like, okay, we got to watch this rockets game. Like it, it, they don't have James Harden. Like we can start winning again. And they're just like a fucking drug. And like, I can't kick it because now we've, we've lost three in a row and I'm like, I'm out of money, but it's like, Oh shit, we got three winnable home games. I just got to read up. This is, it's actually a smart, marketing strategy that the trailblazers have right now so whoever is like facilitating this whole strategic thing of like pulling and pushing and pulling and and letting go of the fans is quite remarkable honestly so props to whoever the hell is facilitating this how how have we not talked about jerseys this year because i know you've been very vocal in your i would say your opinion on both the the city version and the statements. Um, what are your overall thoughts on, on the jersey rollout with Nike taking the reins? Oh, my God. Um, I feel like, and I've said this before on the internet, um, 
what I feel like we've always been an, a ball club that has had the cool jersey that like even people who aren't Blazers fans are like, oh, yeah, I could go for that throwback Clyde Drex- Clyde Drexler, Rip City, you know, alternate or um, I, I really I, re- I fuck with the logo, man. Like that's one of the coolest logos in the association. Like I need to get my hands on one of those jerseys. But this year with the Nike designs, I mean, I'm sorry. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion. And I like if you if you enjoy the Nike jerseys, more power to you. I love you. You do you, I'm going to do me. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and we're going to roll out the city edition, right? Is that is that what it's called at the end of this month? Yep. Um, the black one with uh, the black on black plaid. And I did not enjoy that. When, it fir- like when I first laid eyes on it, I did not enjoy it. But I did say with the caveat that I think as soon as I see Mo Harkless in that at the end of this month, I'm going to start drooling just immediately. <laughs> so, so is and Mo I'm going to go out and buy one. Mo Harkless is low key bay. Although you guys, I did. I don't know if you saw, but I slid into his DMs recently, and uh, to no avail. So you know what? To all the people who slide into my DMs, it's okay. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> I was ignored too, and nobody's perfect, contrary to popular belief. But yes, Mo Harkless did not reply to my DM. <laughs> but I mean, yes, he's very handsome. He he. Mo Harkless is a good looking dude. Like that guy. He's got. He's got it made. He's a millionaire. He is locked up for for life financially, and he is he is a good looking dude. So Mo Harkless, yeah, even though you, even though you're not playing, you you've got you've won already in life. <laughs> exactly, and there's a lot of good looking dudes on the Blazers. Like, you know, I part of the reason why I enjoy watching them so much is I enjoy watching sweaty black and white, primarily black and white men. <laughs> is it- <laughs> okay. Was that okay. TMI? I'm no, sorry. No, no, I'm no. Didn't I just talk about having IBS I'm at a Blazer <laughs> game 40 minutes ago? I think I, I, I'm king TMI this this episode for sure. Nobody is safe. 2018, nobody's safe. You know, nobody's TMI. Safe. That's a thing of 2017. That's a past. We 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 being real in 2018, yo. <laughs> I I talked about my IBS troubles in front of a girl, dog. Uh, <laughs> uh, woman. Thank you. I am so sorry. <laughs> the wonderful anyway. thing about being the producer is I can make it seem like I said woman. Woman. Exactly. Perfect. <laughs> but we'll both know you didn't. <laughs> I want to hear your guys' opinion because, you know, female-male perspectives, very yeah. different. Um, what do you guys think about the the Nike jer- jerseys? Oh, I thought you were going to what I thought you were going to ask us what we think if we have a good-looking team or not or Oh. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Um, on the jerseys, I, I think our, our association icon jerseys, they're, they're fine enough. Um, I'm not a, f- I, I was really hoping they would get rid of, of the silver. I, I, I like just the classic re- retro jerseys where it's just black, white, and red. Like I don't want anything to do with, with the silver, but aside from that, they didn't fuck with it too much. So it's hard to be upset there. I actually do like the logo. They removed the silver there as well. So overall, not too mad. The city jersey apparently gets replaced every single year, which to me signals just nothing but money and marketing and Nike right. wanting to just continue to keep the cash cash flowing. So if you don't like these ones, you don't have to look at them for very long. If you love them, you better buy it now because it's never going to uh, come back on the market. Uh, I just thought we had one of the nicest alternates in the white Rip City jersey. So it was a little bit um, of a head scratcher to go completely away from that. And also, both our statement and our, our city jerseys, 
have a lack of white. I mean, it's just it's red and black, so it just they they both feel incomplete to me. Um, those those are just my my takes on that. Also, if you're gonna go plaid, I think you need to go a little more bolder than that. It's it's just too subtle. Uh, jerseys yeah, are the cool. monochrome look. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, th- I, th- I think I need to I need to get Brian Bagley into this podcast so Dustin and he can just talk Jersey talk for an hour and then I can just text girls or something. I, I, like, I had to tell you to quit washing your jerseys because they were the screen print was falling off of it. So I think that there goes there, there's your level right there. Yeah, I mean, right, I've bought bootleg stuff. Most yeah, of I had to tell life. him to quit, quit buying that bootleg shit. Like, I can I, get you the discount. I need to get you the swingmans. <laughs> We're going to make you look fly guy etiquette. In, Did in I here. ever talk about how bootleg I have been on this podcast? <laughs> I once uh, bought a... jerseys? Oh, no. I once bought a bootleg version of uh, a DJ Premier collab with Nike that was so fake. So unbelievably fake. That I used to have, like black duct tape my uh, the sole of the shoe just to keep it on, and I did that like weekly because that those shoes were absolutely awful. So yeah, I, I mean, Seiji is about that bootleg life. I I definitely need to upgrade to like wearing my suit more than once ever. I I definitely need to step up my uh, fashion game. <laughs> For real, and I can help you with that. Let me let us just uh, come through and. You know, let's go on a shopping spree because that's my forte. Well, I need Evan M to ha- talk to us about the shirts because I can't wait to be that type of guy that only wears his own merch. That is my <laughs> what I am destined hey. to be. <laughs> like that, that Evan. Is... Let's talk. I want a high variance T-shirt that says "Holy <laughs> Backboard" somewhere. Let's make this shit happen. That is seriously goals, honestly, to wear your own freaking merch, like to have your own name on your own chest. Mm-hmm. Damn. See? I don't need I don't need to have adult clothes if I'm wearing my own merch. Exactly. Because you made it. Hundred and two episodes, damn it. Ooh. All right. This has um, been the most this has been a uh, unorganized a, podcast ever, but I've up with it so I've up with it so heavy. You, wait, are you gonna organize it? Absolutely, you're just gonna leave it raw. Uh, well, no, I'm gonna you. master it, but like this is we're this gonna is, go. Yeah, I want you to finish what you said. We're gonna go <laughs> raw. 2018. Twenty eighteen. We're going raw. Sheed Wallace on them. On them boys. <laughs> them thick boys. Them thick boys. Hashtag thick boys. <laughs> this is the best podcast ever. <laughs> All right. So we have another question from Jason Tinsley 8, and it really talks back to what we were discussing with Dame. So can Dame, on the path to becoming an all-time great, take the next step to becoming a champion by lifting the play of those around him? Neela, I'll, I'll give you a first first crack at this one. Um, I thought this question was interesting because I think whenever Dame is, whether he's on the court or off the court, honestly, he makes everybody around him great already. Is is Jason referring to more? Like he wants more out of Dame? I think maybe he's, I interpreted it as Dame is one of the all-time trailblazer greats. Mm-hmm. But how can you become maybe like a top 50 all-time great? Like can he essentially be LeBron where if you say, okay, we're going to put LeBron on the Brooklyn Nets and the Brooklyn Nets are going to, you know, take the Eastern conference crown. Like 
obviously Dame is not LeBron, but is there, I would say, is there more to Dame? Like he's, I believe 27 going on 28. Mm -hmm. Is there, is he peaked right now or is there still more left in the potential tank of Damian Lillard? I'm going to say this is as good as it's going to get. Okay. Yeah. Um, He already makes everybody around him great, whether he's on the court, you know, being the team captain or he's off the court being coach Dame. He is amazing and he is going to be one of the best Blazers of all time. Um, And thank God, because that's literally the last thing that I have going for me right now. But (laughs) (laughs) Preach. (laughs) <laughs> but um, I'm going to say, you know, this is opinion based anyway. So I'm going to say that this is as good as Dame is going to get. So I'm looking forward to seeing if he surpasses my low expectations. There you go. Keep keep the expectations low. Yep. And then you'll never be disappointed, right? <laughs> hey, that's how, you know, me as a woman in science and a woman in sports, that's how I operate. So, th- so this is this leads to something that I've noticed, and I think Dustin and I have talked about it off off pod. But I, I think that there's going to be a report in the near future that talks about Dame and CJ's relationship and it being over competitive. Because when you talk about the best basketball backcourts in the NBA, you see the two backcourt players working together. You kind you do not see it. Dame and CJ being elite at the same time. So I'm wondering how their relationship together works. And if like, if what I'm seeing is wrong and they have a wonderful relationship, I really would like to see them working together because our offense becomes scary when both of them are hitting at the same time. But I could definitely see Dame improving on certain areas like drawing fouls, um, playing within the offense more. There's definitely things that he can do to improve his game. Um, yeah. What do you think, Dustin? Do you think he's got room to improve? I do. Uh, I think he's got room to improve. And I think if the team decides that they want to win rather than wait, and they put a couple of pieces around him, I was extremely impressed with how he played in that first Houston series. I felt like, as a second-year player in the league, he was the best player on the court, and I think he elevated his teammates. I think right now his teammates aren't giving him a whole lot to go off of. Um, in regards to the CJ, I, I think they have a great relationship. I, I think it's just a product of them being almost the same fucking player. They both need the ball in their hands. Neither is as good as we had hoped off the ball which is fine for Dame because he is a point guard and he needs the ball in his hands. But with CJ, it becomes a little more dicey because he really shouldn't have the ball in his hands too much because, you know, you want your, your floor floor general to distribute and CJ should be, you know, maybe working off those Reggie Miller or Rip Hamilton type of screens. I just think they're the same player and it's, it's taken me a lot of time and maybe a little bit of denial Oh to, shit! To is he gonna that? break it? Is he? Are you gonna talk about? No, no, oh, no, oh, no. Oh. we're not going there yet. Oh, okay. But I, I will ask Nila. Do Do you think it's Damon CJ have had their run together? Do you think it's time to break up that duo, or would you like to see them ride it out a couple more years? You guys, I um, I try to keep quiet about this on the internet because it always riles people up. You know, like the whole trade Dame, trade, trade CJ fiasco. It's like always a fiasco whenever that topic comes up. Um. But I am a biologist, and 
In evolutionary theory, there's this theory called limiting similarity. And I've talked about this before, so I apologize to any listeners who have heard this, but Dame and CJ are so similar that when they are in the same place, they limit each other's potential. Does that make sense? Oh, I, I totally agree. So, I mean, you said it way more smart than I could, but I totally <laughs> agree. Um, so I think that it would be very interesting to see what this league would look like if CJ were to go off and have his own team. You know? I that's I mean I had always kind of felt that way but to know there is actually theories about that and even whether it's <laughs> she's I'm just smarter like, than us stack. <laughs> that, well you know you know that gif of of the wire it's it's Weebay and he's just cutting out his jaw dropped and he's like looking around like whoa like that was me like my <laughs> the mind is just exploding right now because we've seen the team plays almost better when one of the two are out because the others um, elevate their play, they know more responsibility is called of them. And then they, like you said, they're able to play to their potential. But when they're together, you know, and we've talked about this almost ad nauseum, they don't really have elite games at once. I mean, it happens just a couple of times. And when it does, it's special. I mean, the team is nearly impossible to beat when it happens, but it just, it doesn't happen enough given the caliber of players they are. And it's a little bit odd that nobody's really brought that up. People will always say, oh, they're they're too similar, but they won't have any data to back it up or they won't, you know, use any anecdotes to, you know, stake their claims. It's always just like straight opinion. But it's kind of interesting now that you brought that to the table, Neela, that um, I I, I think if Neil was was smart, he he would look at – improving the team because I, I don't think there's anything wrong with with dame or cj separately both are incredible players but mm-hmm. if you're you know sometimes one is better than two if you know what i mean yeah exactly and um a lot of people whenever i bring that up or whenever you know that discussion comes on the timeline uh, a lot of people in the rip city community seem to have this idea of cj not being a good leader if given the opportunity which I don't know if I agree with. What do you guys think about that? It's tough because he's he's never been the leader. Yeah, like, I like don't he, think he's he, really had a chance to prove that he is or isn't. I mean, exactly. I, if, if given the choice, I'm going Dame all, all day, every day. And he is a proven leader. I think he's the better basketball player. But I, I think it's a little uh, ignorant to say that CJ is, is not leader because – He's never been given that that opportunity. I would think he would be a good one. He is as polished as they come in terms of public speaking, having an opinion and, you know, getting his point across. Like there was a time last season, too, when uh, Festus Azili reportedly was, you know, trying to give them pointers. And he was basically like, get the fuck out of here. You don't play on the you don't play ever. So, so I, like I got a trade. Would you guys do a CJ McCollum for Boogie if he promises to sign a three-year or more deal if he came to Portland? Would you do that only, trade? Only if we can keep Myers Leonard on the roster because I want I want a reality show for that dynamic. Oh, my God. Okay, that seems like the our ball club is going to self-implode. So, no. <laughs> no, Myers. <laughs> but maybe Boogie. Maybe. That, I know that's a hot take, you guys. I'm telling you, I know what I'm getting myself into, and I'm not saying that that's ever going to happen. You guys, I feel like that's never going to happen, realistically. Like, not the boogie thing, but 
I feel no, like Theo is will too not prideful. Trade him. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like there, it's going to be Damon CJ till death do them part. <laughs> well, <laughs> whatever. They are both Neil's children. Like when GMs come into a get, come into a team and they they draft a player or they they trade them, that's an extension of the GM. Like the every time that player performs well, that GM wears it like a badge of honor. Like, ooh, do you see that guy? I, I picked him up. So trading either of them would be like, ooh, I, I may, I may be, I might have fucked that up. Like, we could have taken Giannis, or you know, I could have had this t- deal for Jimmy Butler. Like all of these, you know, just scenarios you you read on read on the interwebs. But GMs like they are strangely attached mm-hmm. to to their players. I mean, mm-hmm. if that trade were to happen. I would be super psyched as a Pelican fan. I would be bummed as fuck for, to be a Blazer fan. Yeah, that, I think that honeymoon good. period does not last long. Mm-hmm. Hate agree. to say it, but Boogie Cousins isn't a winner. He's very, 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 very talented, but he ain't no winner. He's not gonna sacrifice shit to win games. Goddamn Sage, it, can trade. We just, can we? Can we just combine teams? Dude, wouldn't that be... We would be a damn good team. We don't have a small forward. I'll play small forward. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of um, trades and and the the roster, we actually have a question from... uh, I think you guys know him, Demir. Um, Oh, I I used to work with Demir. I used to play basketball against Demir. He dribbles high, and I used to steal it from him. Okay, well, fellow... um, Holy Backboard listener at To Design and Conquer. He asks you, Sage, and you, Dustin, would you rather revive the Steve Blake and Juan Dixon backcourt <laughs> or watch Evan Turner attempt 20 mid-range shots per game for the rest of the season? You oh, gotta shit. answer this, because I have no idea. So... Great question, right? Either scenario needs to come with heavy doses of whiskey to get through that <laughs> season. So that's that's the first, that's my first um, demand. Oh. <laughs> I would say I would rather watch Evan Turner shoot because really the only reason I'm getting any enjoyment out of this team now is the Blazer backcourt. And you could even throw Shabazz Napier into that, that crew because mm-hmm. um, whether it's the game winner against the Lakers or CJ making that incredible comeback in DC against the Wizards or Shabazz, you know, even the fucking commercial was awesome for the season. Like, let's, let's be real. I will take Evan Turner shooting 20 jumpers because if there is one blazer I dislike more than Evan Turner, it is Steve Blake. So, no, that is an absolute <laughs> – that is a deal breaker for me. Who He's technically st- still on our team uh, but in a don't, different don't, role. Don't mind me. I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> in denial about that one. Hila, when, are you, I'm gonna come, when are you coming to Portland next? Because I, I, I have I, – I want to propose something on the podcast. Oh shit! What is that? What What is it going to be? I have been friends with now. I have been friends with Dustin for fuck Matt five years. Thank you, <laughs> six Thanks years. Holding up six. I didn't see the second hand. All right, I'm tired. <laughs> I propose that we get Dustin drunk because I've never seen Dustin sloshed. What? Okay, Dustin. So you're one. Of, you're like me. You're like. You want to feel the buzz. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You don't want to waste the, your entire day the next day. Oh, absolutely. The hangover might be one of the worst feelings in the entire world. Also, yeah. you can't catch him. You can't You can't let him catch you slipping. Like, you got to play it cool. I have exactly. been drunk around you at least three times. 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I want to well, see I want to see what drunk Dustin is all about. But I, typically it, it doesn't happen very often, but when it does, I either get a major hangover or I make an ass out of myself. So I want to see that. <laughs> That's selfish. We're boys. We're boys. I want to <laughs> see Dustin make an ass out of himself cuz I have okay. surely made an ass out of myself in front of your coworkers before. Ooh, that's yeah, you did. <laughs> See, <laughs> if if you get your ass up to Portland from Southern Oregon, you you take that. That's your commitment there. Mm-hmm. My commitment will be to drink so I get drunk in front of you. Well, I want Neela too because I think that would be fun. But yeah, all of our all of our listeners can join in on that. We'll go to the RG, the Rose Garden. We'll go to Spirit of Seventy Seven beforehand. Um, you know, we'll make the three hundred level what it should be. All right, cool. <laughs> Wow, you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> Dustin Hawes out here making promises that he probably won't be able to keep. Well, now, it, like, it is on wax. The, it is on wax right now that he said that. Right. <laughs> Damn. That, it, that was real as hell. No, it's been, it has been an amazing show. Uh, we're we're eighty eighty minutes running, so I think yeah. we got to predict the week, though. We got okay. Let's 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 predict the week. We have Phoenix, Indiana, without Miles Turner, and Wesley Matthews and the Dallas Mavericks come to town. Quick, Nila, what is our record after those three games? We're winning all three of them, guys. Oh shit! Then I have to be positive. <laughs> no, Sage, we're we're winning three. That's the Blazer way. Like you take it to the bank. Yep. I want to, you know how we tested my knowledge of a team, the Atlanta Hawks? How many Dallas Mavericks do you think you can name, Dustin? Six. Way to go. Not bad. All right. There are so many no names on this team, dog. Do you have the roster up right now? I sure do. Okay, so Yogi Ferrell. Yep. Wesley Matthews. Dennis Smith Jr. All right, you're gonna do Dirk, it, Dirk, um, Harrison Barnes, mm-hmm. and JJ Barea. Mm-hmm. Name all of them. Name as many as you can. I'm, I'm going as far as I can. Uh, is does that uh, semi semi measury play for them? Yes, he does. That's seven. Boom. There are players on this team that I have no idea who they are. Kyle Collinsworth. Who the f- that doesn't even sound like a real person. <laughs> Keebler Maximilian? What? Yeah. No, Sounds you're just like a you're doing the key and peel skit right no, now. No, I am not, that <laughs> I know Dorian Finley Smith is a player, but I don't know anything. There's a lot. Jonathan Motley. There's oh, a we lot got of there's a lot okay, of no so names on this team. Looking at the roster, the only person I should have got that I did. Ooh, I forgot Nerlens Noel was on that mm-hmm. team. Okay, Seth Curry. Yeah, I mean they do have some. Got some. I still think the Hawks might have the weirdest one. Oh, but. they absolutely do. But so what are you saying? We we are both being positive and saying three and zero. Are you going to join the peer pressure, Sage? No. We're going to blazer it up one game this week. <laughs> Which one is the question? I don't know. That's the, that the, no, that, the if, question. If you're gonna be a negative Neela on the show <laughs> yeah. and, and yeah. predict the loss, you better stick your neck out there. All right, and say which loss it's gonna be. 
All right. We're beating Phoenix. We're going to lose to Indiana. Without Miles Turner. Yep. Because they're going to play uh, baby sobs, and he's going to move without the ball, and Nurk's probably not going to uh, dominate the post like he should have. So that's the game we lose. Okay, time will tell then. Yeah, I think it's bullshit, but whatever. It's, we it's blazered been a- up. <laughs> All right. Uh, Neela, thank you again for being a guest on the Holy Backboard podcast. Once again, uh, let our fans know where they can find you on, on social media. No, thank you guys so much for having me. This has probably been the most fun podcast that I've ever been on. Um, that's that's not a knock to Evan M or Mom, but <laughs> yeah, I've been on two of the three of those. <laughs> <laughs> this was just so fun. I think maybe it's because it, you know, with more experience, you start to get more comfortable. Um, but shout out to the others that allowed me to be on their podcast too. So, anyways, to the listeners who um, have never heard of me before, you can find me on all social platforms at Neela Madison. Uh, Neela is N I L A Madison. Sage, any quick 2K thoughts? Because oh, I know it's shit. probably been. Oh shit! Oh, I feel like it's been bur- burning you up that you haven't been able to talk about your precious 2K this whole episode. <laughs> well, I-, I actually have a question for you. How did you okay. enjoy watching the stream of friend of the show Stu Pendices and my uh, 2K game? Like, because we play, you-, you watched us for like an hour and a half. I not only watched, I fucking signed up yeah. to watch. <laughs> yeah. And I was commenting. So you know how it happened is you sent me a text and I was just like, I didn't have to go to work the next day. I had, I had a random Wednesday off. I had, I had an errand to run the next day. So I took the whole day off and I was like, fuck it, I'm going to stay up late. I started watching it. Slowly, I start muting the TV. I leave it on, but I've got my computer. And I'm like, this is pretty fucking awesome. Like, all of a sudden, as soon as I get there, Stu has the Fiesta Parrot. So I don't know if anybody has is on Slack, but there's the Fiesta Parrot um, a reaction. And he's just like going going off on it, like getting into it. Like the music's going. I'm like, I'm like starting to bop my head around. Like <laughs> I was I was sold right then. And then all of a sudden, like he has all of these like audio recordings come up where it's just like either it's Trick Daddy, Shut Up, or it's like the clips um when it's like hot damn like every time he gets like a um a new followers or you know, a new follower and so i was like well one i need to sign up and follow so i can hear the hot damn um it was basketball it was hip-hop it was like two of my my favorite people in the, the world of talking sports and just shooting the shit so i had to tune in and i highly recommend everyone else tune in as well stupendous i not only went to high school with him uh he is one of the OG Blazer brethren. Like we have been talking Blazers for, for such a long time. Uh, you can find his stuff, mixer.com slash stupendous. Uh, he is a loyal listener of the show. So he gave, he gave our podcast props on his stream. So it's only fair that we do the same. I think we need to make stupendous mixer stream an honorary sponsor of the episode tonight. Okay. It's, All right. it, it's, All right. fitting. it's fitting. So, um, who was a better 2K thoughts. player? Who's better 2K player? Him or I? I felt like you were. I felt like you were dogging it out there. I was waiting for you to take over, and I was. <laughs> Sage, I'm not gonna lie. Every time he missed a jump shot, I was like, "This motherfucker's lying that he's got game." <laughs> I wasn't trying. I was not trying hard. It wasn't about me. It was about the people that mm. were on. The, 
I'm glad that I, you noticed that I was dogging it. I, you look like you were you were Darius Milesing the hell out of that game. <laughs> Fuck, I made assists. I got assists. I sort of played defense. You know it's crazy. I, I didn't right, come so this to is watch Boris. Yeah, I didn't so come to watch Boris. Sage 2K Corner. That game, that 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 stream that you watched, I got so many fucking summer camp people hitting me up about playing 2K after that stream. So apparently they think me dogging it is pretty all right. Well, Sage, we've <laughs> talked about Damian Lillard uplifting his teammates and maybe taking them to another level. I think it's only fair that you put kind of your money where your mouth is and take those summer camp trainees on 2K <laughs> and lift them up on that pedestal so you too can hoist the virtual crown together. <laughs> Fine, I'll play hard. Uh, check us out Tuesday, t- t- uh, 2K on Tuesday on Stupendous's Mixer. So, uh, yeah, shout out to him. He's He's... An entertaining man. I want to get him on the Sage Digital Network. So hopefully this will get him to talk to me about actually doing a show. All right. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, at Holy Backboard PDX. Uh, Subscribe to the episodes. You get them as soon as uh, my man edits them. On social, you can find us at Holy Backboard on Facebook, Twitter, and the Gram. Me personally, I am at dhaws22 and Sage. Uh, the Sage. Oh shit! I did <laughs> one more plug. One more plug. Did you, finally, did you did you finally get your handle right? I think I did. But one more yeah. plug. I did a podcast that I've worked weeks on is now live on Google Play, uh, Libsyn. Check it out. We covered the f- uh playoffs, and then we talked about a video game tournament called. Uh, KIT Kumite in Tennessee. Please listen to this. I've worked really hard on making this second podcast popping. So uh, it's called the Chill Factor Podcast. It's going to be on iTunes soon. It's going to be on all the big shit. Check it out. Tell Ice he's an asshole because I think he is. Just check it out and tell us and five star it. And five star this show, of course. I almost start this episode if you don't do anything else because this has been top. Top three episode of all time. I can't believe I oh! almost forgot to uh, promote the thing I worked all day on. <laughs> yes. Mila, so you, nice. You elevated us to uh, another level we didn't know we had. So you uh, you were you, you were, were the Dame honorary Damien Lillard. Yep, you were the Dame Lord of the podcast. High five. We did it. Thank we, you. So you guys see what happens when you bring a woman into sports world. That's Just right. Phenomenal. <laughs> change, it changes the game for the better. There you go. You need the yin and the yang, you know? That's right. Let's leave it at that. Good night, Rip City. Good night. Wherever you may be, this is Bill Shinley. Good night, everybody. Let's go! Let's go.